From St. John's Gospel, Jesus' mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning, friends. I thought on this rainy, wintry day in Vera Beach, we'd try something a little different. This is called Biblical Trivia. You ready for this one? If you were to ask, say you're at Publix today or getting ready to watch the Chiefs beat the Pats with your friends, uh, and you were to say to your group of people after a couple beers, hey, what do you think the Bible talks the most about? What do you think, you, what do you think the Bible, would, what do you think they would say? If you said, hey, Bob, what do you think the Bible talks the most about out of any topic, what do you think they'd say? What do you think? Money. Oh, come on. You can't ruin it for me, Alan. Gosh, that's it. I'm done. Well, this morning, they called out all different things, and people would, most people, if you were to ask them, if you're not a biblically informed person like Alan Miller, you would say things like the Bible talks about uh, uh, salvation or heaven or hell or all sorts of different things, grace, forgiveness. But as, as Alan mentioned, Maybe he'll preach this sermon today, I don't know. But as Alan mentioned, and this may surprise you, the thing that the Bible talks the most about out of all topics is money. Isn't that strange? Never heard that before, did you? Um, And so today, this is your lucky day because today is your eagerly anticipated stewardship sermon, which I'm going to spend today talking about money. Why? It's important. And if you're, if you're, I've, I've so many times in my third, this is now my 13th or 14th year giving stewardship sermons, and um, after several years of hearing people respond both negatively and positively to it, I've come to a conclusion. I've heard all sorts of different things. Father, thank you for te- teaching us what the Bible talks about, this very important topic, or all the church asks, does is ask for money. I've heard both. But what I want to talk to you today, I want to, I want to share with you is something I've, I've come to a conclusion just this past week, that how people respond to the stewardship sermon, how you hear it and how you react to it, is based upon an underlying assumption, an underlying question, and the question is this, ready? Whose money is it? I'm convinced that this is the truth. How you will respond, and God knows how I responded when I was younger, how you'll respond to what I'm going to say to you today is really based on a presumption. And that presumption, that presupposition is this. Whose money is it? If you think your money is your money to do with it as you see fit, which is what our culture says, and most people believe, then today in a stewardship sermon is going to be no different than any other ask. And you'll resent it. But if you think that this is fundamentally God's money, that your wealth is fundamentally God's wealth, then stewardship and giving to the church is actually kind of common sense and actually a joyful thing. You might say, well, come on, Father, you know, I work hard. I've gone to school, I've gone to grad school. I mean, I did all that stuff. I had a great big job in the corporate world before I went into the ministry. And quite frankly, when I was a younger man, I believed that it was my money because I'd earned it. And in some sense, that's fair, but something occurred to me when I was uh, younger, and it's this. You know, I really didn't have a whole lot to do with 
my genetics, <laughs> or where I was born, or who my parents were, or the circumstances that God placed before me in my life. I had nothing to do with many of those things which determine our success. In fact, if I had been born on the steppes of Russia in the ninth century, I would have been a very, very different person. The point is, the fundamental question today, and it's a diagnostic one, and I want you to think about this. Is your money your money, or is your money God's money who created you? Because your reaction to that question is going to impact how you hear what I say today. You ready? So, how is giving a diagnostic of your heart? Three points today. I'm going to look at giving. Um, I'm actually not even going to make an ask today. I'm going to lay out our responsibility as Christians and what God expects with three points. First, that giving is an act of worship. Giving is an act of faith. And giving is an act of fellowship. Giving is an act of worship. Giving is an act of faith and giving as an act of worship. So the first thing I want you to hear is, for a Christian, giving is an act of worship. Now, we don't think of it that way normally, but let me give you an example. In Genesis chapter 28, there's a guy named Jacob. Jacob is a guy who loved God, and Jacob has a vision. One night, he sees a stairway to heaven, like Led Zeppelin, right? Jacob sees a stairway to heaven. It's a vi- he's seeing a vision, a theophany. And on this vision, he sees angels de- ascending and descending Jacob's ladder. Okay? He wakes up from this vision, and he hears God say, Jacob, I am with you, and I will not leave you. Jacob becomes the progenitor of the nation of Israel. But when Jacob awakes, something fascinating happens. Listen to this. Jacob awakes, and the text says in Genesis 28 that he worshiped God, And then Jacob says the following, All that you gave me, God, I will give you a tenth back. Notice something absolutely fundamental to what I want to talk about today, that Jacob's tithe, his giving, like yours and mine, is an act of worship. This is what makes giving to the church radically different from anything else that you support financially. And Vera Beach is a very philanthropic town, I granted. But what makes our our angle so completely different is that when we give to the mission of the church, we're actually doing it as an act of worshiping Almighty God. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to worship something? Well, let me give you the textbook definition and then unpack it a little bit. The textbook definition of worship. If giving is an act of worship, what does that mean? Well, textbook definition is this, that worship is a sense of adoration and reverence towards God. Okay? I think in one sense we all get that. That's why we're here today. But let me just challenge you on something a little broader in that thinking, and that is this, that you can actually worship anything, and a lot of people do. Every person in this room, every person in our culture, even if we worship God, there are all sorts of little little g gods that we also worship. And they come in all different shapes and sizes. We've all got them. You and I have got little things that we worship in the course of our lives. How do we know what they are? Well, you want to know? How do you spend your money? Because where you spend your money, listen, where you spend your money is what you love. Where you spend your money is, to use today's metaphor, what you worship. 
Let me give you an example. Jesus says in this very thing, listen closely to what he says. It's counterculture and extremely insightful. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, he says, where your treasure is, there will your heart go also. Listen closely. Where your treasure is, there your heart will go. In other words, where you put your money, where you spend your money, listen, actually determines the things that you value. This is counterintuitive, but if you just think about it, it makes complete sense. We like to think that we spend money on things that we like, which is partly true. I happen to really like electric guitars, and I spend money on them because I enjoy it. But also, we've all got people that we hang around with and spend time with, and we wind up spending money on other things, and our affections follow that thing. Psychologists will tell us this very thing, and it's extremely important to realize your own heart, that where you spend your money, where you place your wealth, determines where your affections and your heart will go. Why? Because, listen, giving is an act of worship. That's my point one. And my second point here is that giving is not only an act of worship, which it is. It's why we take the collection in church and bring it up to the altar. It's an act of worship. God, we are giving our wealth to you so that our heart follows. If you want to grow in your faith of God, give to the mission of the church. Your heart will follow. My second point is then, that giving is an act of faith. Stay with me. The biblical standard of giving is the tithe. Jacob, that I mentioned a minute ago, when he wakes up from his dream in Genesis 28, he wakes up, he worships God, and he says, I will give you 10% glory of everything that you have given to me. Or you could flip it around and say this, the tithe, giving 10% of what God has given you back to him, you could also render as follows, God saying, you keep 90% of what actually belongs to me. And again, the premise of the question is when it's going to determine how you hear it. If it's your money, you're going to resent it. If it's God's money, you'll be thankful. We call this the tithe, giving 10% of your income to the work of the church. Let Let me put it to you like this. Imagine that you were a money manager. Some of you are money managers, or at least retired money managers. Many of you have money managers. Um, But a money manager is somebody who takes care of other people's wealth. Imagine if the owner, say you're a money manager, and your client calls you up and says, Hey, Bill, man, great job. Returns this year were excellent. I'm so glad you're managing my money. I want you to keep 90% of it and just give me back 10 You can keep the rest. The money you're managing for me, you can keep 90%. You just give 10% back to me. See, the idea of the tithe, if you believe that everything comes from God, your time, your talent, your treasure, the fact that you're even on earth right now, if that comes from God, then it's all his, which means by extension that you are managing his money. Christian stewardship, friends, is like being a money manager for for God. And if, that, if, that if you are taking care of what he has given to you, he only requires 10% of that back. Now, I'm going to tell you something. As your pastor, the first time I heard this idea of a tithe, I was probably 22 years old. I, uh, I thought it was a crazy idea. I thought it was foolish. In fact, um, 
I didn't go to church a whole lot when I was younger, and I never heard a pastor talk about this, ever. And so what I would do is I would go to church once in a while. The plate would come by. I'd throw a couple of bucks in the plate, five, ten bucks, whatever I had in my wallet. A tip, a tip to the big guy. And when I first heard this idea of a tithe 25 years ago at Church of the Good Shepherd in Rosemont, Pennsylvania, if anybody knows it, I will tell you, I was working in the corporate world making six figures, I had a great job, but I'll tell you, I thought to myself, 10%, you've got to be out of your mind. You've got to be kidding me. I could never afford it, I thought, but truth be told, as I look back on it, the reason I said no way is because it was, it was my money. And I just didn't want to do it and so I didn't. Later on, the, the rector of the parish, the priest, Father Moyer was his name, a couple years later, he, he preached on this again, and he showed me something which challenged me. He said, he said that God's demand for a tithe actually comes with a promise, and it's this. It comes out of Malachi chapter 3. Malachi is a prophet. It says this. God says, bring the full tithes into the storehouse, into the barn. This is an agrarian culture. So, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, God says, that there may be food in my house. And thereby, listen to this, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour down for you an overflowing of blessing. What does that mean? God is saying, if you tithe, you can put me to the test. In fact, it is the only place in the entire Bible where God says, try me. Jesus says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. That is always true except for right here. God says, you tithe and try me. Put me to the test and see if I won't keep my word, God says. I dare you. I double dog dare you. God says to me, he said it to me back when I was 25 years old, and says it to you, if you tithe, if you trust me, I will pour down blessing upon you, tit for tat, quid pro quo. Let me tell you a story. When I was in, I left my corporate job making six figures, and I went to seminary, making a buck fifty a year to, I was 30 years, 31 years old, making a buck fifty a year to $20,000 a year as a family of four. And we lived in Ambridge, Pennsylvania, a burned-out steel town, and it was, it was terrible. We struggled. We really struggled. But I continued to tithe. Our family and our friends thought we were crazy. There were times, I will confess to you, that I thought we were crazy. But we kept at it. We tithed even though it wasn't a whole lot of money. At one point, one of my kids um, fell and hit her head, and we did the ER and stitches and the whole thing, and we got back home, and you never been to the ER with your kids, you get the bill, and it's always like, you know, 10 times what it should be. We get the bill, and it was a, it was a bill for $1,000. I did not have the money, and Kathy and I looked at each other and said, how in, how in God's name, literally, are we going to pay for this? How are we going to do it? Two days later, Two days later, we received a letter in the mail from a guy from my home parish. His name was Mike. It's his real name. And he had, it, he had, we opened up the letter. It was addressed to me. And I read the letter and it said, Dear Chris, please accept this gift of support. It is a tithe on my bonus check 
that I am giving to you. Mike was a DBA. That check in that envelope was for $1,000. Mike had no idea that bill was sitting on my desk in my office. We, Kathy and I, were absolutely astounded. My, Mike had no idea, but friends, the point is God knew it, and God knew that I needed to see it. And that blessing that God had given to me through Mike, who was an obedient Christian, strengthened my faith. I wonder if I'd even be here right now if that hadn't happened, because it confirmed for me that God is trustworthy and he keeps his word. My faith was strengthened. I have continued to tithe even now ever since. And brothers and sisters, listen to me. I'm telling you, as your priest, if you want to see God unleash his blessing on your life, let me challenge you. Tithe. If you're not tithing yet, let me encourage you to start. Not because God needs it, but because you do. The only way you learn trust in a person or from God is by trusting them and then see if they keep their word, right? That's how this works. And don't, take, don't just take my word for it. I can give you my personal experience, lots of examples, but don't just take my word for it. There are lots of people in this parish who have started to tithe. You can ask them. How has God kept his word as a consequence of your tithe? I can tell you two people that in both cases came to me afterwards and said, you know, Father, I started to tithe and I cannot believe the blessing that God has placed on my life as a result. For the past four years, I will tell you this, I will say this to you, for the past four years, maybe it's five, every member of your vestry of this parish tithes. Every single one, including me. Every member of your vestry tithes and has for the past four years. If you want to find somebody who tithes and ask them, does God keep his word? Go ask one of them and they will tell you. 10% of their income goes to the work of this church. Friends, I have never in my pastoral ministry met a person who tithed and regretted it. Never. I've met lots of people who were fearful of it, which was me at one point, and lots of people who never did it because they were afraid. But I've never met somebody who did do it and later regretted it, ever. And if you're a tither in this parish, and there are a lot of you, I want to encourage you to be willing to tell other people about the blessing that God has given to you as a result of your trust in him. It's real. But you won't see it, friends, unless you decide to do it. If you don't tithe, if you don't tithe, for God's sake, and I mean that literally, let me just challenge you to start. God will amaze you. He always does. So, friends, giving back to God what's rightly his is an act of worship of him, and it's an act of trust in his provision for you. And then finally, and this is my third point, third point, that giving is an act of fellowship. You know, when you tithe to the church, you are supporting the mission of the gospel. You are supporting other Christians in their faith walk. You are doing the ministry that God has called you to do. To him who much is given, much is expected. I don't know why this is, and maybe if some of you know, you can tell me in coffee hour. I don't know why this is, but lots of people think that someone else here pays the bills that someone else here pays for our ministry together here at Trinity Episcopal Church. People think there's some great, great big money pot somewhere, somewhere over the rainbow, right, with leprechauns dancing around. I don't know. But 
And people think the diocese sends us money. That's also not true. Hear me on this one. Trinity Episcopal Church is supported only one way, and that is by individual pledges and giving by members of this congregation. Our endowment covers the cost, is starting to cover the cost for the physical plant, but the operating expenses, the operating budget is and will always be funded only by giving from this congregation. If you don't give and if I don't give, we can't do. If you do give, we can. It's that simple. It's up to you. It is up to the person sitting in your seat. And let me just say this. This just occurred to me a few days ago to our seasonal members, which there's a lot of you, which is a wonderful blessing to us. But I want you to consider something important, that even if you're only here three or six, nine months, or six, nine months out of the year, our operating expenses don't change. It doesn't, we don't have a fluctuation in our expenses. We print, we print fewer of these in August, but everything else remains the same. And I want you to consider that in your giving, that if you consider this, you're parished in Florida and you love being here, just consider that the operations of this parish are the same, the expenses are, year, are, are the same all year long. Friends, Trinity, this parish continues to be, for the past six years, the fastest growing parish in the diocese. We had... 70 people join this parish last year, 7-0. We've had four people join in the first two weeks of this month, of this year. Our average Sunday attendance last year grew by 5%, meaning the number of people in the pews grew by 5% in 2018. The point is that people are really beginning to grow in their faith. People are meeting Jesus sometimes for the first time in this very place. This year in 2019, our uh, one of our big, hairy, audacious goals is to uh, put together a Christian, biblically-based Anglican preschool here at Trinity Episcopal Church. The plans are already in the works. It's halfway funded. It will be a huge blessing to our community. I'm excited about it. It'll bring young families into this parish. It will serve our community of Vero Beach. The need for preschool is enormous, and I'm really jazzed and excited about it. But friends, the thing is, you've got to own this one, because I do. It's up to you. It's up to me. The person, person sitting in your seat has got to make a decision. Am I going to get behind this? Or am I going to use what God has given to me for myself? Here's the takeaway. Here's the question. Is it my money or his? Shall we pray? Father, thank you for your word, which teaches us that Christian giving is an act of worship, it is an act of faith, and it is, an, it is an act of fellowship. Teach us to be good managers of all that you have given to us, and for that which someday we will be accountable. Give us trust to follow you in all that you promise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.